Amen. So we will continue from where we started yesterday. I'm still in the introduction. <laughs> Amen. I'm still in the introduction. So yesterday we took time to see why. Why we should. Why we should. Why is it necessary to interpret the word? And we see a number of reasons. Now, it makes you to appreciate now that each time you are coming to scripture, you need to pay attention because there are a number of things that you have to see to be able to arrive at the intent of the author. And you do not want to be easily deceived. Also, you want to worship God accurately. And as we have noted, that we are not the determinant of how we should worship. God determines how he wants, uh, he wants us to worship him. Just the same way, there is a way to salvation. We saw yesterday when pastor was teaching us that the Israelite decided we don't want God's way. We want to create our own way. So it always leads to disaster. Each time you want to create your own way. Because there is a way he has determined or there is a way he wants us to worship him. And our commitment is to learn to be able to come to that understanding. Now, as I said, I'll continue on introduction. You know, the man of God is going to uh, another level. As I said, I will still stay in the introduction for now. Amen. But actually, I believe we have... Uh, some of us have gone through what we have discussed yesterday. And really, it touches on a number of things and it makes my work easy this morning. Now today, what we'll be discussing still on the introduction is how to judge accurate interpretation. How to judge accurate interpretation. So yesterday we saw reasons why we should interpret or why is it necessary to interpret scripture. So today we're going to look at how to judge accurate interpretation. How do I know that the text, or what I have interpreted, is accurate, is the a, is a, is a intent of the author? Are we together? Amen? Now, the Bible is the most intelligent book on earth. The Bible is the most intelligent book on earth. Why? Because within itself, it carries how it should be interpreted. That means within itself, it has all the things that you should interpret the Bible itself. So you don't need to go somewhere else to interpret the Bible. The Bible within itself has all it takes to interpret itself. So if you are patient and stay inside, you'll be able 
to interpret scripture by scripture. Are we together? Now, last year conference, we took time. Last year, we did something we call the canonicity of scriptures. Canonicity of scriptures. And there are a number of things we have noted. We said that the biblical canon is not by man's recognition. That is, we took time. Please, if you have not, for, if you are coming for the first time, you have not, uh, you need to go back probably and listen. It's online to listen to that canonical script. That is, how did we arrive at what we call Bible today? I mean, the pack we have. Remember yesterday, we took time to study a number of things. And we saw all of it eventually all came from Moses. Are we together? Yes. So, but then today we have 66 books, which we call scriptures. Amen? Now, how do we arrive at that? You know, we took time to say that Apocrypha is not part of the inspired words. Are we together? And we gave sound reasons from scripture and from the, some of the Apocrypha itself. I mean, that is the extra books we have. Are we together? So, again, we saw that also there is something we call the Gnostic Gospels. The Gnostic Gospels are also Gospels, are also additions to the 27 books of the, the section we call the New Testament today. Which some people are arguing to add it up that they are also inspired. And we saw also that they are not inspired. And we saw many different reasons. Are we together? So we said that within the Bible itself, that this is not about men's recognition, that these scriptures that we have today didn't come about because men decided it. No. That biblical canon is, a, is not about men's recognition. And we say also the biblical canon is not man-made. We also said that man... That men did not confer authority on the word of God. We also said that the Bible contained within itself the evidence of canonicity. That is, the evidence that is inspired. Are we together? The evidence that is inspired. So, the canon is determined by whether a book is inspired or not inspired by God. So if it is not inspired by God, then it is not canon. If it is not inspired by God, then it is not canon. And we said within the Bible itself, it has the evidence that shows that it is a canon. Are we together? Now, so also... How do we judge whether we have interpreted scriptures correctly? When the interpretation of a scripture or a text deviates from the inspiration of scripture, then that interpretation is not accurate. Are we together? That's the first thing we want to consider. We judge our interpretation to be correct 
when it stays and does not deviate from the inspiration of scripture. From the inspiration of scriptures. Now the question you want to ask is that, what is the inspiration of scripture? Amen? What is the inspiration of scripture? What is the inspiration of scripture? Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. I want to take it gradually. Please open your Bible. Yes. Give me New King James so that we'll work together because this, my Bible here is New King James. Verse 14, he said, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15, and that from childhood, King James will say, and that from a child, You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All Scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. For every good work. For every good work. Now, I want you to note verse 15. Look at 15. He said, and that from a child or that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures first of all that word yesterday pastor fred was trying to uh started speaking in that direction the first thing when you read there you it might okay it might leave maybe two things maybe when he was biologically are we together and then when he's uh or he's uh, spiritually young but then we can also see evidence there to know exactly what it is. Are we together? The Greek word for that either childhood or child is brephos. Brephos in Greek. Brephos. Are we together? Now, there are many places. Please follow me. There are many places where that was used. Where that was used. And let's see Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 41. That word brephos means a babe or a child. You understand? And there are 
let's see some, some of the places where it appears. It says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary that the babe leaped. That word babe is the same word brephos as we read in 2 Timothy. Can you move to verse 40, 44? 44. He said, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greetings sounded in my ears, the babe leaped. That word again, babe, is the same word, brephos. Are we together? Remember, look at it here. In this, in this instance, it's talking about a babe that has not been born. The same word, brephos. So take note. Take note. So, give me second Peter. Second Peter. Or stay in the Luke first. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 16. Luke chapter 2, verse 12 and 16. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. It says here, that and this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in what? Swindly clothes lying in a manger. Of course, he's talking about who? Eh? Okay. At this point, you know this baby cannot walk. This baby does, has not come to discretion. Are we together? Please note, the baby here also is from the word brephos. Brephos. Yes. So let's move to First Peter. First Peter, please, you have to endure sound doctrine. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes we don't want to be careless with some certain word. Um, first, what? First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Verse 12, and this will be the, no, no, no. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you, sorry, sir. Verse 2, verse 2 is talking about as newborn babes. Okay, okay. As newborn babes, yes, that word babes desire the pure milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. Yes, as newborn babes, that word there is brephos. As newborn babes. As newborn babes. Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7 verse 19. This is talking about something in Exodus. You remember what we are taught yesterday? Amen. Yes, verse 19. And this man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their what? Their babies so they might not leave. Their babies. And we can keep on going but now you can see that this word brephos might mean 
here, in all the scriptures we have discussed, either someone, an infant that has not been born yet, or one that has been born but he has not come to any age of discretion. You understand? An infant. Are we together? Amen? So that means, of course, at that stage, you cannot learn scripture. Are we together? So that cannot mean that Paul was referring to Timothy when he was that age, because that cannot learn scripture. Are we together? So that means, of course, as we will read in the context also, because he's discussing about salvation. Are we together? So is Timothy's, I mean, Paul is talking about Timothy as a spiritual infant. So that brephos means spiritual infant, not biologically. Are we together? So that means because it is impossible for any person to learn scripture at that age. Amen. Now, he said, from when you were a spiritual infant, when you just got born again, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now, I want you to note something also. That the Scriptures here in verse 15 and verse 16, all Scriptures, you understand? The first one here, holy means herios, which is H-E-I. R-O-S in Greek. Herios. And these scriptures here in 15 is called grammar. From G-R-A-M-M-A. Herios grammar. Grammar here means content. Content. That is, it's talking about the content. The content. So, and that from childhood, thou hast known the holy scriptures, means the content of the scriptures. Are we together? Yes. Which are able to make you wise. Which are able to, just follow me, I'm, I'm arriving somewhere, you understand? Which are able to make you wise, 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 for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So verse 15 deals with the content first and foremost and not how it came about. Please note that. It deals with the content and not how it came about. Also it tells us that that the scriptures, the grammar, look at it, is about what? Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Please note that. Yesterday, man of God took time to show us how the message of salvation is not the message only. I mean, it's not what is found in the epistles. That where they even obtain their messages, right from, we saw it up 
that from Moses, that every prophet ate from Moses. Are we together? And Jesus confirmed that. And he said, beginning at Moses. Are we together? Yes. So, here what we can see is that Paul is saying that the, the whole content of scripture, the entirety is about the subject of what? Salvation. Salvation. In Christ Jesus, salvation in Christ Jesus. So, the Bible is a book of salvation. That means it is Christocentric. It is Christocentric. It is Christocentric. Now, look at verse 16. Look at verse 16 of 2 Timothy. Verse 16 of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. All scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. Now, this word scriptures here is not as the one in uh, verse 15 we saw. That one is grammar, the content. This one here is graphe. Graphe. That is G-R-A-P-H-E in Hebrew. I mean, sorry, in Greek. Graphe. That is... This one is talking about the art of the writings. That is the art of the writings. So that means that the, the art of putting down the grammar is the graphe. Are we together? Are we together? Amen. So that means all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. And yesterday, man of God did a good thing to show to us that in doctrine, there is reproof, there is correction, there is what? Instruction in righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, note that the evidence, now that's where I'm going. The evidence that scriptures is inspired is that it is Christocentric. The evidence that scripture is inspired, it is Christocentric. Last year, we were dealing with canonicity of scripture. And we saw also that the, the biblical canon is based on this. It's based on the, that any document that is not Christocentric, it is not a canon. And it means that here, we can say that a book is inspired by God or scriptures is inspired by God is because it is Christocentric. And what is, do we mean by Christocentric? We saw it. It says salvation. Are we together? Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is not a message of the epistle. It's a message from Genesis. It's the same thing, all through. Are we together? So, because scriptures is about Christ, 
any interpretation of scriptures away from or that contradicts Christ will be an infidelity against the scripture. An infidelity against the will of God. Are we together? That means we cannot say that an interpretation is accurate when it contradicts the Christ or when it contradicts the inspiration of scripture. So this is how to judge how the first thing, this is on a general note, how to know, because today we have all kinds of gospels. How do you know that the something that somebody is preaching is not a correct interpretation when it deviates from the inspiration of scripture? So the scripture is Christocentric. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let's see an example. We have read that scripture yesterday. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Let me just give an example and see how we cannot accept that kind of interpretation. Because it's not Christocentric. It's not what the Bible says it is. Are we together? Luke 24, verse 1. Let's read from verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb to bring the spice which they had prepared. But they found the stone roll away from the tomb. Verse 3. And, verse 3, then... They went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. But is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of the sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Verse 8. And they remembered his word. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven. And to all the rest, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. Now, look at what the apostles. And their words, verse 11, seems to them like a, an idle tales. And they did not believe them. How can these apostles, after being taught by Jesus, for three and a half years. And then they came and told them. That Jesus has risen. And it feels as if this is a stupid discussion. And they did not believe. They didn't believe. Let's continue. 
But Peter rose, arose and ran to the tomb and stood down. He saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened as if he was not told. Now, behold, two men, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Amos, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Verse 15. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deeds and words before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside this all, all this, today is a third day since these things has happened. Verse 22, yes. And a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. Amazing. Verse 23. When they did not find his body and came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was, I mean, and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Now note verse 21. Note verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Now in Acts chapter 1 verse 16, something like that also. Sorry, Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So evidently from here, we can see that the disciples were actually
The disciples were actually seeing Christ as the political Messiah. Are we together? So they are not seeing him as the scriptures have said he is. So they are seeing Jesus as one who will come and deliver them from the Romans, from the, the bondage they were in. But because that interpretation of the Christ deviated, are we together? From the inspiration of scripture, we call that kind of interpretation, for example, of these disciples as incorrect. Are we together? Amen? Now, remember that earlier on, we saw how two of them came to Jesus who were lobbying for positions. In Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 45, you saw how they came. Please, Jesus, James and John, we want to sit one on this side, one on this side. You would think they are thinking about the kingdom of God. No. Their eyes were in the kingdom of Israel. Because they are thinking this man has come. Soon he will get power. So we have to lobby for this position. So that likely I will be governor of Caesarea or the other way. You understand? And when the other disciples, ten of them, heard about it, they were angry. That means they also were eyeing it. Are we together? So, and Jesus have to educate them there. He said, no, no, no. There is something you have been watching. That the rulers of this world loaded after their people. That's what they have been seeing. But he said, but for you it shall be not, it shall not be so. Are we together? Now he's trying to point them that that is not my kind of kingdom. The one you have been seeing. And suddenly what we later on Jesus have to say that in this kingdom greatness is becoming a servant. For even the son of man did not come to be served but to what? To serve and to be a ransom for many. Now recall also in John chapter 6. We're not going to just read it. In John chapter 6 when they had been fed with food are we together? When they have been fed with food and they were satisfied, say, Kai. Woo! You know, they wanted to snatch Jesus and make him a king. Because in their mind, they have a what they see Jesus say, Kai, this man will be a good king. We will eat in his reign. <laughs> Amen. But that is not. The inspiration of what? Scripture. So those kinds of interpretation cannot be correct. So anytime an interpretation of Scripture deviates from the inspiration of Scripture, it cannot be correct. Are we together? It cannot be correct. Now you see, not just only the disciples, but that is the perspective of the Jews. Because they have seen kingdoms. All their kings with their influence and affluence. 
They cannot imagine how the prophet will prophesy of a coming king. And this king will establish his kingdom by suffering and dying. Which kind of a king is that? Because they know their kingdom. They know how influence they have. So that affected their interpretation. So they were looking up to Jesus, but not as the scriptures have prophesied about him. Hallelujah. I want to point out something else here. Pastor Lu took time to discuss a number of things yesterday about scriptures. Don't want to go into that. But note, there's something that is very key, what he said. From what we saw, that scripture is not just about prophecies and promises. Are we together? We saw that scriptures is also telling us about the conduct of the believer. It's also very useful and profitable. You understand? About showing us the character of God. Are we together? Not just only what he will do, but about his character. You know, God has been misrepresented because scriptures has not been rightly divided. Are we together? Yes. And that's why many people are angry. You understand? If God exists, why is there any more trouble? Because they don't understand scriptures. You understand? If you are coming from northern Nigeria, any bad thing that happened, you said, this is coming from God and we must accept it. <laughs> you will say that it's a temptation from God. You understand? And he's trying to train us. And some of us have imbibed that kind of ideology. So scriptures is about the Christ. That means the subject of scripture is salvation. Through what? Through faith in what? In Christ Jesus. Please don't forget this. The Bible is not a book for general subjects. The Bible is not a book for general subjects. It is not a book for business. It is not a book for agriculture. It's not a book for geography. It is not a book to study medicine. It's not a book to study philosophy. Or to study chemistry. So you will be foolish to carry the Bible and you want to contend with a scientist to prove to him that he is God. Leave the scientist. Science knows how to deal with themselves. Science has corrected itself by itself. Forget about them. Are we together? There are times when they are arguing and persecuted people who say that the earth is spherical. Because at that time, there was no sophistication. They believed the earth is flat. So they corrected it. There is something we are taught when we are younger in science class in SS1, senior secondary one, about what we call the Dalton's atomic theory. Dalton postulated that that an atom is an indivisible, are we together? 
<laughs> Amen. But now, after some advancement, we saw that, no, an atom is not indivisible. Are we together? Now, so, science knows how to correct itself. Leave them. The Bible is not a book to prove about something about science. You understand? God is that God. No, 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 no. You will be doing injustice to scripture because you will fall into error. So the Bible has a subject. And what is the subject? Salvation. Don't use the Bible for anywhere. So if you see anybody interpreting the Bible, not in this light, is incorrect. Whether it is you or whoever, whether it's a geo or whoever, it has to be interpreted in this light. When Jesus used the concept of agriculture, court, coin, talent, it is in his parable. Jesus was not teaching those subjects. He was just using what the people were familiar with at that time. To convey a message. Are we together? So, we do not decide what we want to preach using the Bible. No. The Bible has its message. We are faithful to the Bible when we allow the Bible to give us what to preach. And already we have clarified that. That the Bible is subject is salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You know, one of my students, there was some time he came to me. You know, he was concerned. I invited him for one of the time when we were doing some series about marriage. You know, that series didn't look like a marriage series anyway. So he was concerned. That, okay, I said something. Okay, I was starting from Genesis to show that what we have been thinking that is about uh, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Man of God started touching that. He's not talking about uh, biological fruitfulness. I even said that Adam has three children as we have by scripture. One, first and foremost, Cain and Abel. Are we together? Then later said, Eh? Directly. Well, recorded. So he told me that, sir, I read some materials. There are many sons that of uh, Adam. I said, where did you read it? He said, they are not biblical. They are not inside the Bible. I said, why do you go to touch things that the Bible didn't give? And this is actually to us. Stop where the Bible stops. Be silent where the Bible is silent. Now, and I open his eyes to know why there are many information that has not been given. You know, some people interrogate us. Oh, 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 oh. The Bible is hiding something. That's why he didn't mention this one. You know, it was in my office. So I had a textbook of biochemistry there. I think I told this story to some people. And I carry the book, the textbook of biochemistry, and I drop to him. And I open the first page in the introduction. There is a picture of Socrates because they are mentioning about because the book is biochemistry for medical students, specifically. 
So because it's for medical students, they have to give some background from the foundation, you understand, of those fathers of medicine. So and I asked him, I said, please open this book and show to me, I want to know who is the father of Socrates. <laughs> show it to me. He says, sir, it's not here now. This is by chemistry. I said, eh, it's by chemistry. But again, there is a, <laughs> here now. He said, yes, but you know, this is by chemistry. And I asked him, I said, why then do you want to search and insist to find something in Bible? Because the centrality that is, the message of the Bible is about the Christ. Any other thing is not given prominence. Are we together? Every other thing is not given prominence. And of course, we took time last year to know that it's not everything that is written. Because, please give to me John chapter 20. John chapter 20. The last verses of 20, I think, is 30, right? 30 and 31. Give it to me. John. Yes. And truly, please see it. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in where? In this book. Go on. Verse 31. But these, but these, let's read together. But these were written that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you... Now, question. All that has been written, is it sufficient that you might see and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing, you might have life in his name? Now, do you not now see that the essence of Scripture is to reveal Christ? So the subject of scripture is salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's why anything that is not toward Christ is not given prominence. Who are Elijah's parents? How does that concern knowing Christ? Are we together? It's not that his parents did not exist. But they are not important in the subject we are writing. Who is following me? Amen. So please, don't go, I've seen all kinds of things, business secrets of the Bible. Brother, the Bible is not a book of business. If you want to learn business, go to the business school. Are, are we together? <laughs> Amen. And I've seen all kinds of things. So that is to tell you that that interpretation is erroneous. Please note that. I beg you in the name of God. If you hold on to this principle, you will discover that you will be, you will be accurate in your interpretation. Hallelujah. Now, there is, let me point out some concern before I move to the next point. You know, there is, sometimes we use those words, and I think I will talk about it soon. When we say personalized revelation, you know, this day he said, the Lord revealed this to me. You understand? The Holy Spirit, when I was praying a 21-hour 20, prayer, and suddenly the, the roof just parted. 
And I saw the Lord entered and he spoke to me these words. Now, and you find out that what the man of God is saying is completely deviating from the Christ, salvation through Christ. Are we together? Salvation through Christ. That cannot be. So one of the errors you will face is that if you begin to personalize revelation. Please don't personalize revelation. There is no revelation beyond what has been revealed. There is no revelation beyond what has been revealed. This book is the book of Christ and stay there. Nothing, you cannot see anything here. You know, some people say, in this verse, the Lord gave me a unique revelation. No, sir. No, sir. There is no unique revelation. There is only one revelation. So the meaning of scripture is consistent in its meaning. I mean, the scriptures is consistent in its meaning and its intent. What is the intent? Salvation through faith in Christ. The meaning is consistent. And that's why we saw when man of God was teaching us that this prophet ate from Moses. You know, some people said, ha, this scripture is so wonderful. How over 40, about 40 authors living in different times, in generation, but they are able to prophesy the same thing. Brother, they read from each other. There's nothing unique there. It's not that, you know, you know the way we are that this one receive it differently. No. They ate all from Moses. Are we together? Even Jesus came. He didn't say, I want to tell you about myself. They say, hold, hold. No. Jesus referred back to scripture to teach about himself. Is, is somebody hearing me? So if Jesus did not bring any revelation, he returned to scriptures that what has been said concerning him. To tell and to teach is the disciples about himself, you cannot claim to have a different revelation. Are we together? Amen. So, as we have learned from our teachers, that when the scriptures were first written, they have an intent and meaning. And today they cannot change. Are we together? They cannot change. Amen. Yes. So, When the apostles read, they read from scriptures. You understand? What can we conclude about all those things? That the Bible is a single text. That the Bible is a single text. So, to interpret it correctly, you must read it with the mindset about, about its subject. The Bible is a single text. Therefore, you know, most times we encourage when you want to interpret scripture, interpret in context, right? Are we together? Now, the entire scripture is the context. So, as you read, have that at the back of your mind, that the entire scripture is the context. So, don't go and pick a scripture in Revelation and then interpret it 
out of context. What is out of context? When you are interpreting it, deviating from the subject. And what is the subject? Good. Now, let me make some points. Now, if you look at in your Bible, you will discover that yesterday, Pastor Lou was making that reference. You understand? You see that they are divided into the Old and the New Testament. Now, he mentioned something very critical that that is not correct. Now, why is he not correct? Why is he not correct? Eh? Yes, because it's not inspired. How do we know it's not inspired? Yes, how do we know it's instituted by men? Amen. Now, when you read the Bible, where they regard as the Old Testament, it's not the Old Testament. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are we together? Yesterday, he shows us what the Old Testament is. The Old Testament is a system created by the rejection of the gospel. Are we together? So the Old Testament are no books. It's a system created by the rejection of the gospel. That means righteousness by the works of the law is the Old Testament. Are we together? So, but we saw salvation through faith in Genesis. So how can we call the books Old Testament? Did you see that? Now, why we are judging that, that that interpretation is wrong? Because it deviates. Are we together? Yes. That division deviates from the inspiration of Scripture. That's why we are saying that division is not correct. You will also discover that because there are many things that have been added today, even subheadings. You will discover that what that place is saying is not actually the subheading. So, all those things that have been given and put can interfere with our proper interpretation. Now, that's the first one we saw in a general note. That it is important that you pay attention to the subject of scriptures. Hallelujah. The second thing, after we see the generality, please, I want you to stay there for the rest of your life. Don't ever use the Bible for any other thing other than what it was given. I beg you in the name of God. Because you will be a faithful servant if you stay with what the Bible has been given for. Are we together? That is how to judge whether it is you or for another person when you hear preachings. You understand? The second thing is that I want to go a bit inside now. 
since we look at it in a general note, the second thing that you can use to judge whether interpretation is correct or not is that contextual usage. Any interpretation of a verse isolated from its contextual message is not correct. Any interpretation of a verse, because I'm coming, I'm using a verse now, I'll come from a text, you understand? From a verse isolated from its contextual message is not what? It's not correct. So first and foremost, when somebody pick a scripture and just throw at you, why? The first thing you want to ask <laughs> is that what is the contextual message where that scripture was picked? Let me give you an example. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Recently, I saw this scripture. You know this lady that her news has been going on in Nigeria? Who got the highest in jam? She's from Deeper Life. And I saw, I love the school. It's not, I'm not, it's not really against anything, you understand? I'm just trying to make a point, but you understand? Remember we said here that the fact that we point that certain things are wrong in a message or a song or anything does not mean that we oppose or we are against the person, you understand, that did that. We are just, like man of God taught us yesterday, in opposition to the message. Amen? So you can be a Satan. Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. If you are not here yesterday, you need to go and get the message yesterday for you to understand what we are talking about. Amen? So I saw that after they are celebrating in the page of the school, they now wrote and quoted this verse. That the Lord has done it. You understand? Because she has gotten the highest 360 over 400. And it's put. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now the question you want to ask is that. Is this scripture talking about you can reach jam and pass? I can do all things. Read jam, read uh, physics, read chemistry, read uh, anything. Are we together? Is that why he's saying, first and foremost, let's go to the context and see whether the message, this, this scripture deviates <laughs> from the message of the context. Are we together? So let's go back a bit. Let's go back a bit. Go back to maybe, let's say, five verses ahead. Five verses, I mean, before that scripture. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, 
if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Verse 10, uh, sorry, 9. Then the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, this do, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lack opportunity. Now, please note from verse 10. It's talking about, is that talking about care? Care, 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 please. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard of that I have a need. Okay. Now, are you beginning to discern what is the discussion now? Yes. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Next verse. I know how to be abased. Now, he's talking about, you understand, what you understand now the discussion? I know how to be abased and I know how to be abound everywhere in all things. And I have learned both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer needs. So I've learned that. Then verse 13 said, I can do all things eh, through Christ who strengthens me. The next verse. Nevertheless, you have done well that you share in my distress. Next verse. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Okay, let's stop here. Now we understand the context. Now, does this context speaks about the use of all things to mean that you can do geography, you can do uh, you can anything, all things. Anything you think you can do, you can do. <laughs> is that what this, this scripture is? Now, by that, you know that this is not correct interpretation. Are we together? Amen. So that means the issue of I can do all things he has given us in the scope. In fact, the verse before said, I know how to live where? Verse 12. Verse 12, I know how to what? To be a base and to be a bad. That is, I know how to stay hungry. I know how to stay full. Unfortunately, some of us here, we don't know how to do that. Immediately, they touch your, your, your comfort zone. Ah, it's a trouble. Please learn. <laughs> Amen? And some of us already have started seeing that trekking as if it's, it's suffering. No, it's not. Drake smiling. It's a season. Amen. If you don't have money, don't be, don't be ashamed. It's part of learning how to live on the other side. That's why it's very difficult to, to keep people like Apostle Paul. You can't change them. You can't change the gospel with them. Because they have learned every condition. There's no condition you keep him that he will not be able to do anything. Amen. It is this kind of uh, how do they used to say it in uh, football? Utility player, right? Yes, he can play this, he can play that. Amen? It is this, he knows how to stay hungry and he knows how to stay full. That's the old things he's talking about. He can do both. 
and yet not slide to confusion. You know, there are some of us, once we are hungry, we begin to sin. And some of us, while we have so much, we begin to sin. You understand? But in each of these, he knew how to be able to stand. Are we together? That's the all things there. That's how to know that, that interpretation is wrong. When that scripture is lifted from the message of the context. Amen? Okay, let me give another one. You know, we are, we are doing it as, as if we are doing practical also. Hallelujah. Yes. First Corinthians chapter 11. Yesterday I started it, but again, I need to point out some things again. First Corinthians 11, 26. First Corinthians 11, 26. Now look at it. It said, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, yeah, for some of us who are not has been not in a meeting, but we have trashed with this, we have, we have dealt with this scripture. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, many believers have said that this is Paul instituting holy communion. Now, the question we want to ask is that, is Paul teaching about Holy Communion in the context. You know, I told you about context, right? That if a scripture is, is lifted and then interpreted different from the message of the context, that means that interpretation is wrong. It's you that didn't get it. And I'm glad Pastor Lu took time to teach us about the issue of code language yesterday. In the sun. In Bible interpretation. Quote language. Very important. Now, what did we say yesterday that the message that Paul is trying to address here? Go back to verse 18. Eh? Division in the church. Did you see that message? So, how do you bring Holy Communion inside here? Did you see that? Already, even if you don't know what that means, you already know that. Listen, you don't need to know the interpretation of, I mean, the correct uh, explanation of a scripture to know that that scripture, the interpretation that somebody gave is wrong. Did you understand what I'm saying? Of course, I acknowledge that not every text of scripture is easily understood. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you can know that even if you don't know what it means yet, but you can know that the, the interpretation that somebody gave is wrong. That's what we're trying to train you. Because it's not within the message of the context. Are we together? So what did we say here? Now, remember, we have already uh, discussed yesterday that do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance doesn't mean that recalling. Because we saw even in the context that it doesn't make sense. That Jesus is giving them uh, the bread and the wine to drink there. And then he said, remember again. No, no, it doesn't make sense. And we saw that also that remembrance means understanding. Because already, he has already, when he is giving them, he broke it and said, take this, is my body. So he has already given them a hint of what that is. 
or what that represent. Take this cup. You understand? The new covenant. Are we together? Which was shed for you. He said, eat. Take it. Do it in remembrance of me that it is talking about me. Amen? Now, I want you to go to, move back to chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 14. Chapter 10, verse 14. He also talks about that. I want to explain something here. Verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from what? What is, is started by what? Idolatry, right? Next verse. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourself what I say. Next verse. The cup of, now, you might think that he started teaching something else. No, he's still, because we will see. He's still teaching about what? Idolatry here. You understand? He's saying that flee. That's the message of the context. So anything he's trying to explain is still about what? So he said the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Next verse. For we though many are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Next verse. Observe Israel after the flesh. And not those who eat of the sacrifice partake of the altar. What am I saying? Now, note from here. What am I saying? That an idol is anything? Or what is it? Or what is offered to an idol is anything? Next verse. Rather that the things which a gentle sacrifice, they sacrifice to what? To demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with who? With demons. Next verse. Now, look at what he says. What he meant by the fellowship with demons, that is idolatry. Because when you go doing idolatry, this is how Paul described it. He said, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So that means idolatry is drinking from the cup of who? Oh, did you understand what I'm saying? Now, that means that word cup is a coded language. So being, if you are idol, if you are doing idolatry, that means you are partaking from the cup of demons. So that means also when he said cup of the Lord does not mean literal taking of that small thing. Eh? No. Earlier on, he talks about fellowship with demons. There is a kind of fellowship you do in that sacrifice. Are we together? So, he said you cannot look at another term. And it's the same term, but explaining the same thing. He used the word cup. Now he is using the word table. You cannot partake from the lost table and of the table of demons. That means also he described idolatry as the word partaking from what? The table of demons. Next verse. Or do you want to provoke the lost jealousy? You understand? Now, you can see that that is a coded language to refer to something. That means when he was talking about the cup of blessing, the cup of that, he was talking about our oneness in Christ. Are we together? 
So you cannot say you are a believer and you are one with Christ and with other brethren, we are one because we have all partake from that one bread. And then you go back again and go to partake from another cup. Are we together? That's what he's saying here. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. So he was talking about, as we said, division in the church. And he wants them to teach them about love work. That is, is not love work, you understand, to come and do. So what he did was to relate to Christ's sacrifice. Are we together? And now also use it, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 11, 26. 11.26 For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup. Now, stop here. We have noted yesterday in verse 23 and to 25 that the cup and the bread signifies the Christ. What he was to do. In other words, it signifies Christ's sacrifice. Are we together? So when Jesus was demonstrating to the disciples, he was teaching them to see what he will soon do. To sacrifice himself for them. Are we together? So the word cup and bread represent Christ's sacrifice. So when Paul used the same word, as often as you drink this cup, and as you eat this bread, yesterday Pastor Lu said something that is very critical. When he said we are Christ, it's not because that you go and, and hang and, and kill yourself for the sins of another person. No. Also, when Paul used this term, he was not referring to you sacrificing as Christ sacrificed. Did you hear what I'm saying? No. But the death of Christ or his sacrifice also is an example for our conduct. Are we together? First John, we read from that scripture in church. First John chapter 3 verse 16. Some of us know John chapter 3 verse 16, but we don't know First John chapter 3 verse 16. Please, you have to know the two. Amen? Look at it, please. By this, we know what? Because what? And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. How? The way Christ laid down his life? No. He is talking about sacrificial life. Living, conduct, love work. That's what he's talking about. Are we together? That's what he's talking about. So, we saw that Christ's sacrifice saves us, yes. But also, it's an example for us, for our living. So, when Paul says, go back to that scripture, he is using a coded language of Christ's sacrifice, of the cup and the bread, to mean that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. That is, as often as you come to fellowship and also sacrifice for one another. Are we together? 
What did he say? Our sacrifice, our conduct of sacrifice also reflects the Lord's sacrifice. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And we saw that Jesus make reference to this. After teaching all this, he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you do what? Love one another. So that means our love work can tell of God's sacrifice or God's love. Are we together? They will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So that means here also that is our living sacrificially can proclaim also the Lord's sacrifice, which is the Lord's death. Because the Lord's death talks about the Lord's sacrifice. Are we together? Now, when you read down, you will discover that he continues this way and said, I think verse 30, give me verse 30. Because they do not discern this. They do not discern this. Verse 29, please. Because they do not do love work. In other way, they did not know that in Christ we have become one. That in Christ we need to sacrifice for one another. Because they lack knowledge of this, see the effects in the church. The effect is that for he who eats and drinks unwordly, here he's not talking about drinking literally. He's talking about Anytime you come, you say you are a believer, but your portrayal is hypocritical. That means you are drinking and eating unwordly. Are we together? Anytime you join the meetings of believers and you are a hypocrite, you are not, you are selfish. That means you are eating and drinking unwordly. And the effect of that, if it is in a massive scale, like in that church, you know, it's in a massive scale. The effect of that, or what that means is that you have not discerned the lost body. That is, we are one. And the effect of that is in verse 30. That some of them, because of the lack of love, some of them, because some people are greedy, hypocritical, some of them have, are sick, some of them are weak, and some of them have died. Are we together? Are we together? This is not saying because you just take that thing, then your body becomes sick. You know, some people accuse God here. You know, some people use this scripture to accuse God because of lack of interpretation correctly. That is, God, God judges you that if you didn't confess your sin, as you take it, that is, you are taking it unwordly. You take the Holy Communion unwordly. That is, that's why you get sick. So if you take it with an unconfessing, you'll be sick and you can die. But brother, he's not talking about your body here. He's talking about the body of Christ. Amen? Are we together? Look at the last verse. Verse 33. The last verse. Verse 33. Now, by this time, you will know that what he has been teaching all along is love work. Therefore, that is after all he has said. What has he said? Bringing the sacrifice of Christ to teach them sacrifice. And using 
the blood and I mean the cup signifying wine. Oh yes, the blood. And also the bread as Christ's sacrifice to also relate it to the believer or the conduct of the believer. He now taught them that when you come into Christ, it's not just only that he saved you, but he also shows you an example for living. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, what did he say? What did he say? Before, when the problem was there, when they come, they don't wait. They eat. Some are drunk. Some are hungry. Now he said, now that you know that you need to sacrifice for your brothers, next time you come to meet, wait for everybody to, before you now start eating. That is love work. Amen? Are we together? So you can see that once you take a scripture out of the, the, the message of the context, you will interpret it wrongly. Amen? Amen? Yes. Now, the third one, are we together? The third one is that any interpretation that contradicts the thought of the author already established or already established truth in scripture is not correct. Now, this is a bit wider than a verse. It's a bit wider than a verse. Remember, we, we are looking at in the three ways. Huh? First, the whole message of the Bible. Amen. That's the inspiration of scripture. You understand? The second thing is a verse. Right? When it is not, is, is not, or you, you interpret it away from the message of the context. The third thing is any interpretation that contradicts the thought of the author. Already established. Or, it has contradicted the already established truth in scripture that is in other parts, in other parts of scriptures. That means that interpretation is incorrect. It's incorrect. That means if Pastor Olu will write a book, he cannot say something in page one and page two and page three. Then when he reaches page four and page five, then he will con completely contradict himself what he has been saying in page one. Did you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Please, come with me. Amen. So that means if you find an interpretation, whether by you, and it seems that this scripture is saying something, the question you want to ask is that, what has been the teaching of this author? You have to go back and search concerning that same, the message of that verse. Is there anything that this author has said concerning this thing? If you find that the interpretation you are giving or the interpretation of someone that is giving contradicts already the, the thought of the author, then that means it's not correct. Okay, let me give you an example. First John chapter 
2 verse 27. 1 John chapter 2 verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And it's true. And it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, I've heard many people use this scripture to claim that because you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need a teacher. Have you heard of that before? Are we together? Now, I said two things, and that's what we're going to search. And thank God we have already ample scripture that man of God, Pastor Frey yesterday took us through. You understand? Now, the question you want to ask is that, is that what that scripture is saying? Because the Holy Spirit, who is the author, cannot say that you need a teacher somewhere else. And then move to another place and say that what? You don't need a teacher. Yesterday we looked at a lot of scriptures. Acts chapter 8 concerning Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. We looked at Ephesians chapter 4 and said that he gives gifts to men. For the purpose of what? That is, for the purpose of what? Equipping to teach us. You understand? Why will the Holy Spirit, why will Jesus give us men to teach us and then return back and say we don't need a teacher again? <laughs> First Timothy, we saw, we saw how Paul was talking about, in fact, we read the part of the scriptures. You understand? He said, continue in that which I have. He said, also, as you have learned of me, also commit it to what? Who will be able to do what? Uh -uh. So how comes here this one is? So once you see that, you already know that because it contradicts already thoughts in scriptures already, that means is not a correct interpretation. Before you even start to, to study that place, you already know that that's not correct. You know, people, people used to say uh, that... You know those people that went to, went to hell. From there they branch heaven. You understand? And then they return. They came with a message. Hey, here. The world is about to go. Jesus was, in fact, it was the prayer of some two people in that community that has stopped Jesus from coming. <laughs> and they begin to say, I saw these people in hell because they were wearing earrings. I saw this from hell because they were wearing trousers. I saw this from hell because they were wearing this. Question. You see that? You don't even, and I, you know, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You don't need to even, there's no need to hear because you know, it has already contradicted many thoughts. I mean, many places in scriptures concerning the destiny of man. There's only one way to show whether you are going to be with the Lord or you are going to end in hell. It's accepting or rejecting Jesus. That's all. 
That is clear through scripture. So no prophet can come back and say another thing. And you don't know that. Either he say, that one he said an angel took him and he was traveling with him. Maybe he's a demon. Because the devil sometimes must create himself like an angel of light. Are we together? Hallelujah. So maybe let's go back. I think we can read these scriptures to know what it, what it means. Are we together? Go back a bit. I think let's see from verse uh, maybe 18 or 19. Verse 18 or 19. Okay. Hey, let, let's start from here. They went out from us. No. 18. Start from verse 18. Let's see verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have learned that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. But which we, by which we know that it is what? The last hour. Next verse. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. You know, sometimes you said that this man he was a believer, then later on, he converted to another thing. If he was with us, he would not have gone. Did you hear what I said? If he has been with us, you it is you that you are thinking he has been with us. Are we together? Because he have, if he has been with us, he will not have departed. But his departure is a testament, is an evidence that he has not been with us. Amen? Next verse. So about the Antichrist. But you have an anointing. Now, this is not talking about anything teaching. It's talking about Antichrist. Right? But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Which things? Next verse. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. That means that all things he's talking about is what? Uh, are we together? He's not talking about, you know, chemistry, biology, uh, agriculture. Uh, the, you see, that's the thing. Don't, don't get out. But because you have known it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who was denies that Jesus is a Christ. He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. You know, so many people say, hey, the coming of the Antichrist, brother, they are here. Any thought, it's not a person. Any thought that is against Christ is Antichrist. Are we together? We have medical people here, right? When they say antibiotics, what is it? <laughs> Amen. Okay. So he said, whosoever denies a son does not have the father either. 23, 23. He who acknowledges the son has the father also. Next. 
Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Yes? And this is a promise that he has promised us eternal life. Next. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Uh-huh. Those who try to deceive you. Yes. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Teach you about what? But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. What have we said concerning all things? Eh? The truth. And it's true and it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need anyone to teach you. That means he has been, he's not talking, here he's not talking about teachers of the word. He's talking about antichrist. Those who have been out to deceive. But because you have the Holy Spirit within you, you don't need anybody to tell you that this is an antichrist. Did you understand what I'm saying? You don't need anyone to say this is an antichrist. Because it's already... <laughs> Amen. Are we together? So this is not talking about your teachers of the truth. They are not antichrist. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you see how we are trying to exercise to see how we can judge interpretation? Very important. Let me give maybe one more. You understand? To exercise ourselves. There are plenty in scripture. But just to, to see. Okay, maybe. Let's see how the time goes. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will what? See the Lord. Many people have used this scripture, especially holiness, those in the holiness clique. You understand? To say that you have to be holy. Talking about that you you have to be holy, that is so that you cannot miss heaven. Because it is only by, by you living holy that you will not miss your salvation. Because if you don't live holy, you will not see the Lord. You will not see the Lord. You know, they, they were born like this. You are joking with me? You will not see the Lord. <laughs> Amen. But this is not talking about losing salvation. After all, it's not even talking about... Okay, okay. Now, as I said, let's see the thought of the author. We have seen several things. Hebrews chapter 3. Because the writer of Hebrews cannot say one thing and come and say another thing. Are we together? He's not saying that you are going to achieve holiness by yourself. Chapter 3, we have seen that in church. Give me that scripture. I'll just read some few scripture here. 
Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren. Uh -uh. How can you be holy, brethren? Then he goes back ahead and says you have to be holy to see the Lord. That means that interpretation, you didn't get it. Are we together? So you cannot be holy, then he tells you you must be holy again. You understand? To see the Lord. Are we together? Yes. Show me verse 9. Sorry, chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 12. Or just say, go to chapter 10. I think this one is better. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. Go to chapter 10. No, chapter 10, verse 1. For the Lord having a shadow of the good things to come and not very the very image of the things can never with these sacrifices which they offer continually year, year by year make those approach perfect. Next verse. For then will they not have ceased to be offered for the worshiper once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Next verse. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Verse 6. In bond offering and sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. Seven. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Next verse. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, bond offering and offering for sins, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Next verse. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. But by that will he have been sanctified through the offering. By that we have been what? Are we there? By that, what happened to us? Through the offering of the body of Christ, how many times? So if he has sanctified us, means he has made us holy once and for all. You understand? He cannot go back and tell you that before you see him, you have to create your own holiness. Are we together? So that means that place is not saying what you are thinking. Go back to that place. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. That place you can see is talking about conduct. It's talking about conduct. He said, well, pursue what? That is you to do it. Are we together? Pursue peace with all men. That act already is holiness. Did you understand what I'm saying? That act of pursuing peace with all men is an action that you are 
walking to do that which is of your nature. Are we together? And without doing that, you are likely to hinder some people from seeing God. That's what it means. And I quoted a scripture earlier on, by this, all men shall know you are my disciple if you do what? So that means if you refuse to love one another, you can, you can create an interruption in people seeing that you are his disciples. Are we together? So you living holy is not that you should lose heaven. You living holy is for your ministry. So it's to help so easily for people to see God. Are we together? So your conduct is important in ministry also. Your conduct is important in ministry. This place is not saying that you must be holy else you lose salvation. You have been sanctified already and once and for all. And with the Lord is in you. The Lord is in you. You are not missing anything. Are we together? Yes. Lastly, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. So as we said, once it contradicts the thought of the author, it's not a correct interpretation. John chapter 3 verse 5. Man of God touched that place yesterday. I just say, let me just touch it too. You understand? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I said to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Some people say that this place is what? That you need water baptism to be saved. You need water baptism to be saved. First and foremost, let's look at John himself because he's the one who wrote this. Is that what he meant? Now let's look at John chapter 1 verse 12. John 1 12. He has already said something there. But as many as do what? Received him. To him he has given the right to be what? So how did he add water here? Did he add water here? Okay, jump to John chapter 3 verse 15. John chapter 3 verse 15. That whosoever do what? Believe in him should know what? But have what? Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he what? That whosoever do what? Where is water there? So that means you, uh, John cannot be writing and then saying something else in many other places of his thought. And we can keep going. And then come back and contradict himself and say that you need another thing in addition to what I said. No. So that means you didn't understand what that means. So, Pastor Olu said yesterday that that water is, you know, you know, is which is the spirit that is, is signifying the work of the spirit. 
which is the spirit. So it's not talking about water. It's talking about the same thing. Are we together? It's talking about what? It's talking about what? The same thing to be born again. Now, let's look at who is that audience? Nicodemus. Go back to that verse. Maybe check verse 10. John 3 verse 10. John 3 verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? That means Nicodemus is a teacher. And of course, we know he's a Pharisee. Are we together? He's a Pharisee. If you go to John chapter 7, verse 45, you will see that he's one of the Pharisees. And we have seen that there has never been anything water baptism in Israel until John. So that means Jesus is not talking about water baptism. Because he's speaking to a person who, and again he knows that Nicodemus, who is a teacher of the law, will not be thinking about because there's nothing like water baptism in Israel. John was the beginner of water baptism. And we can see many scriptures in the or verses in scriptures that is Genesis to Malachi that talks about the cleansings of the spirit using what using the word water either cleansing you understand but never about issue of baptism so what can we deduce from this because it deviates from the discussion or the thought of the author that means that is incorrect. That is incorrect. But then in closing, I just want to just note some few things. First and foremost, we saw that in the, the first practices of the New Testament, we saw people being baptized, including Paul. Paul was baptized. Amen. Amen. Yes, Paul was baptized. You understand? Why were the early church baptizing? You understand? We're not going to read all, but you can write it if you want to go and check it. Acts chapter 2, verse from verse 38. Acts chapter 2 from verse 38. Acts chapter 8. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. After he finished preaching to him, he was baptized. Acts chapter 9, verse 18, talking about the baptism of Paul. When Paul was converted, he was baptized. Acts chapter 10, talking about Cornelius. Are we together? Why were these people baptized? You understand? Now, this is the reason. In the book of Acts, that was the early days of the church. And they were struggling with a lot of problems. Not just only this baptism. Problems of doctrine. Let me show you one. We don't have time, but I will show you one. Acts chapter 11. Go to Acts chapter 11. At that time, they are still struggling with the law. Even including Peter. He was still struggling with so many things. In Acts chapter 11 from verse 1 to 18, that was when the church... You know, it has happened in Acts chapter 10 when you went to the house of Cornelius and then that thing happened. 
and then they received the gospel. That was the first Gentiles. The believers in Jerusalem who are Jews were angry. How dare you enter into the house of these Gentiles and eat with them? And then Peter says, sorry, oh, it's not my problem. Oh. Please, this is what happened. Remember how he strove, even Peter struggled with God. God had to use a vision to teach him. Don't ever say that certain things are unclean which I have made pure. Are we together? So they were still struggling to accept that thing we have just finished saying here. About oneness in Christ. That is, in Christ there is no Jews or Gentile. In Christ there is no male or female. In Christ there is no Yoruba or Swahili. Are we together? They were still struggling with that. They don't eat with the Gentiles. Even though Christ has died for us and brought us and collapsed every division, they still struggle with that. So it's not only water baptism they were struggling. That was the, what we call the transition into the doctrine, real doctrine of Christ. So we see all those kind of problems. That's why we see that they were still baptizing even in the book of Acts. But as you go ahead a bit, please go with me quickly. Acts chapter 18. You will see by the time light has started coming, there was no more time for issue of baptism any longer. Are we together? Amen. Amen. But first and foremost, what is baptism? I have to say this before I move, I, I leave this place. What is water baptism? What does it mean? What does it mean? Go back to John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold! The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Next verse. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. I did not know him. But that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. So why did John came baptizing with water. Hey, speak with me. I mean, speak to me. Eh? Now, first and foremost, I want to give you an idea. If water baptism is required to be saved, was Jesus a sinner that he needed to be baptized? Have you thought about that before? <laughs> That's, if water baptism is needed to be saved, was Jesus a sinner? That means water baptism is something that is not, is something that we created. Are we together? Also, we spoke about the thief on the cross. You understand? With Jesus converse and gave assurance to. Was he baptized? Okay. We have read that people like Abraham have been made righteous. Are we together? Through what? 
Because we said the message of the gospel is not just when, are we together? We saw Abel, eh? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you understand? Through what? Where they baptized, we, say, we, we, we have already clarified that there is no any baptism in the, there's not a concept at all, ever. John began it. So baptism is not required to be saved. It's not. What is water baptism for? John told you here. That he was sent to baptize just to reveal Christ, you understand, to Israel. Next verse. Remember he said, verse 32, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Verse 33, I did not know him. That's the second time again he's saying that. But he who sent me to baptize with water to him, I mean, said to me, who sent him to baptize? Uh -uh, why are we talking about? You read the prophecy now about him, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare for me. Are we together? We know about the conception of John the Baptist and what he will do is a forerunner, right? So, of course, God sent him as a forerunner. That was his ministry. Amen? He said, upon him you will see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. And this is he who baptized with who? With the Holy Spirit. Now, and I have seen and testified that this is what? Yes, next verse. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Next. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them. Now, listen. Go to Acts chapter 1 because Jesus also spoke about John the Baptist before he, he ascended. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He said, being... And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Mm -hmm. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, that means Jesus, John the Baptist already pointed, I baptize with water, but he that is coming who baptize you how? With the Holy Spirit. So, water baptism also was a pointer of what is to come. Not just only that he revealed Christ, but it also shows that what Jesus was to do. Are we together? He also showed what Jesus was to do. And we saw that by the time we are after resurrection, we saw the fulfillment. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12. Colossians chapter 2 verse 12. Colossians 2 verse 12. Buried with him in what? 
Are we together? Bury with him in what? In which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Who raised him from the dead? Now, how were you baptized? Here. How were you baptized? Eh? Uh, talk to me now. And you were raised with him. How? Through faith in him. Now, anywhere you see baptism doesn't mean water baptism. This place is not talking about water baptism. Remember, they have already said that he that cometh will baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit. And that happened through faith. And once you believe in Christ, you are baptized into him. You don't need any baptism again. Because the baptism that John did was a shadow of what the Christ is to do. We don't know, we don't live in the shadow. We live in the reality. Are we together? So there is no use for water baptism. I was also water baptized. If your water was is okay, enjoy the water. But the point is that it has no use. Because the reality is here. It's the same thing with many other scriptures. You understand? As we have said, Sabbath is not a day. We have treated it severally. Read Acts, I mean, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 4. You understand? We enter into Sabbath by faith. You understand? Now, all these things we have talked about, thank God for Pastor Olu that taught us about the issue of symbols. You will see that all these are elements that points to the Christ. But today we are in the reality. We no longer live in the shadows. Are we together? Hallelujah. So, what are we saying? We are trying to say that you can judge whether the scripture is rightly interpreted or not. And we gave three ways in which you can be able to judge. Even if you have not yet even understood the scripture that is being taught. The believer has the ability to judge and understand whether he is being misled or not. We are said first and foremost that the Bible, its subject is salvation. It's not a book for general studies. <laughs> Amen? It's not a book for what? Good. Secondly, we said by the time we come in, there are thoughts established in scripture, doctrine. Anytime you interpret a, a scripture, a place that contradicts thoughts already established in scripture is incorrect. And we said also that when you look at a verse, its meaning is within the context. Anybody that lifts it out and then he gives it a meaning, all you need to do is go and read the context. Once you find the message of the context, look at what that person has quoted. You already know whether you quote it right or wrong. Are we together? Hallelujah. As I said, we are still in the what? 
in the introduction. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Can we just pray? Amen. 